Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Welcome everyone to Wellington AA on Air. My name is Victoria. I'm an alcoholic and your chairperson for today. Um, we open AA meetings with the Serenity Prayer and I invite you to join me. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. This meeting also opens with the AA preamble, which goes as thus. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of people who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We're self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Right, so um, today we have spiritual concepts, right? Yeah, so we have Sunday spiritual concepts um, in the studio today. Very excited to hear um, their sharing. And I will just ask Matt to read um, a bit of a reading from the big book uh, just to open up the sharing for today. Thanks, Victoria. My name is Matt, alcoholic. Good, Matt. Um, so we read from pa- uh, page 569 in the book book, um, it's spiritual experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself us, among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded then in order to recover, they must require an immediate and overwhelming God-consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist Williams James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unexpected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. 
Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problem in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There's a quote here from Herbert Spencer. There's a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is content prior to investigation. Thank you, Matt. Uh, And now we'll kick off the sharing portion of the show, and I'll ask James to share. Uh, Yeah, um, I'm James, and I'm an alcoholic. Um, So, for me, I was told um, uh, probably when I first started drinking, I I was told that, look, you know, there's a problem. It's the way that I drank, the way that I reacted, um, and the way I was when I drank. And when I just going around just day to day, to day life, really, um, is my behavior towards people and, and towards myself. And uh, I, I started drinking early, I st- uh, not early, sorry, um, a bit late. Um, to to other people, you might say that um, at the age of nineteen, um, and very early on, I I got I was was asked um, to go and see a drug and alcohol counsellor, and for me, I, I I was really angered by that because I was like, I've just discovered this drinking, this this alcohol, this way of being able to just have my feelings just numbed. And just to have, just to be able to have this kind of peace, that's well, so I thought. And I, um, you know, later on realized that uh, I drank mainly because of the trauma I went through as a kid. But I just thought I was just having fun. And um, I was able to um, be more social and, and, and me, I thought I would, I would, I was able to make friends and and just be a lot happier. Um, I, I was a binge drinker, so I, I only drank at the weekends. So only when I was um, out at the pub, and I, um, I, I, I never drank at home and never drank on my own. But yet, because I could see now from being in AA that 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 most probably was or well, that would have happened from uh, what I've heard from other people and where I was going, really, with my drinking. Um, so, you know, when I drank, it just... I didn't care about anyone else but myself. And um, I... The way that I I kind of look back on it, that um, I would spend during the week working, um, full of resentments, anger, reacting blaming other people and then at, at the weekend when I drank that was the way that I I reacted um sorry the way that I I dealt with it um and so then you know it would happen again just a cycle just every week and it just wasn't healthy and I was wasn't going anywhere and eventually we got to the point of um a number of years later that 8 months before 
I stopped drinking was was the worst of it, um, where I just started to have no control and I was just becoming powerless over alcohol. And those eight months was of a series of events of I um, I couldn't hold a job. Um, I kept getting fired and it's from being late and just my behaviours. Um, and then I would get kicked out of flats and the main reason was because I wasn't paying rent so I'm not surprised I got kicked out. Um, and where uh, I was in a toxic relationship uh, at the end of my drinking where I, I caused that and, and it was emotional. It was emotionally the, the way that I... I I was you know it wasn't physical it was just emotional and and um it just just I you know I hope well I could imagine it 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 definitely did affect the person um and then my parents stopped talking to me and and that was that was a big one for me and it wasn't because that I was um upset that they you know because because of that I loved them and that I'd, I was still wanted the relationship. I mean, the main reason at the time was because my first thought was, well, I'm not going to get money from them because at the time my dad was giving me money each week because um, I kept asking and he kind of knew what was going on. And so that that just made, that just, you know, now looking back on it, it just makes me feel horrible. Well, not so much now because I've been able to kind of work through it, but, you know, that, that just, it was just unmanageable and it was because of alcohol and you know, com- completely. And so I, I came in and uh, to AA and, you know, I, 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 it took me quite a while to get sober. Um, but what I did, I just kept coming back. Just no matter, no matter what, I kept coming back. And I didn't leave AA and I was coming to, I, what I did was I was going to meetings regularly and I got a sponsor, wasn't necessarily listening. And I, well, I wasn't <laughs> completely, but I just kept coming back because I didn't want to go back to drinking. That wasn't an option. You know, I lost things very quickly. And if I lost anything more, you know, it just, it, it just, just scared me enough. And, um, you know, I got more kindness and more care in, in AA with, with regarding with the people um, than that I that I well I felt that I deserved and and but I wouldn't have got that outside you know it was um outside the meetings it, it was it was just all kind of fake and 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 just yeah just just unhealthy kind of relationships and that that's because of me it's no one else um so I I carried on and eventually um I got sober and I um started doing the steps and I started to just try and just listen and just just try and work just have a life that was um followed by AA really and um you know my life's got better it really has you know it's it's quite ordinary but it's a life and it's mine you know I didn't have a life before I really didn't and um even when I felt there there was quite long periods of good times when I was drinking it it, it wasn't wasn't good it was you know I I I never behaved the way that I'd, I'd want to, you know, um, and I didn't have choices, I feel. Now I've got a choice of I can do this or that. I can do the kind of right thing or the wrong thing or, you know, that was that was taken away from me when when I drank. 
Um, and you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just really grateful. You know, it's, it's taken me, I feel a long time to get sober because I was very angry. It's very, very angry at a certain person and trauma I went through with that person at a young age. And I didn't really realize it for a long time. And it was hard being in AA and not completely sober and just kind of just with that rage. Um, and so what I've done is from suggestions um, from AAs to I've gone and seek counseling that really helps. Um, and, you know, through the counseling and through still being an AA, it's just been really able to kind of work things through. Um, and it's really, really helped. And, you know, I'm still working through it kind of thing. You know, this is it's an on, ongoing thing. You know, it's not just I stopped drinking and things completely better. And, you know, I, I can't work out these things on my own. I need a, a power greater than myself. Um, and, you know, a, a higher power. And I need to be doing certain things, not just, you know, like... I, I, need, I need to be doing it every day and it, it just helps. I, I don't know how the higher power works. I don't need to and I just do these certain things and I see the, the, the change in me. It took me a long time to see the change in me in, in, in AA but yeah, look, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to, to be here today I'm, I'm very grateful for that and I'm just very, um, I just feel very lucky and very, very privileged because I feel more in peace you know I've got my family back and I've I can hold a job and I do pay my rent and um yeah so I'm just very lucky to be able to um be the person that you know I'm potentially meant to be so yeah thanks to um thanks for letting me share Thanks, James. Um, and this is just a reminder that you're listening to Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. And this is the Wellington AA On Air show. Um, if you or someone you know um, is living in New Zealand and wants to get in contact with us, um, you can head to the AA website. Um, and you can also contact us on this free uh, phone number which I'm just pulling it up now, um, 0800-229-6757, and you'll get a sober alcoholic on the other end of the line 24 hours a day. Okay, uh, I'll now ask Matt to share. Thanks, Victoria, um, and thanks for inviting us to the studio today. Um, and, yeah, my name's Matt. I'm an alcoholic. And, yeah, um, yeah, and, and also thanks, Jane, for opening the sharing. There's a lot I could relate to um, in, in your story. Um, yeah, and I think that's pro- that's, that's that's a wonderful thing about being <clears throat> in AA Fellowship is uh, you get to hear your stories through other people, um, and it's a lot to do with the way uh, we experience life and the way we feel, um, and it's 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 really amazing to you know, know that there's a solution on offer here. Um, yeah, so just a little bit more about my story. So uh, I, I was brought up in a really uh, religious family, got brought up with um, to with, and got taught good morals. Um, but from a young age, as far back as I could remember, I just didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. Um, and 
you know, and I kept a lot to myself. Um, we also had quite a big family. Um, my father, you know, he, he drank he drank a bit. Um, and also, you know, I, I vowed from a very young age I never want to land up being like my father. <laughs> but um, he, they always provided for us. We never we never went without, uh, without food or a roof overhead. And so, um, yeah, so very, very grateful for that. But I, I recall um, my younger brother where uh, – he, my, my father had some guests over, and he took um, a cider from, from from that was lying open there, or whatever. And then he had a couple of sips, and he gave me a sip as well. And I'm like, "No, I don't really like alcohol, but let's do this anyway." And I remember having about half a cider, and just that it did something inside me. And I, it's so hard to explain, but from being this real quiet, um, reserved, scared kid inside. All of a sudden, that just disappeared, and it felt like I just drank this magic potion. Um, and I started giggling, and I started finding things funny, and I just felt comfortable in my own skin. And it was just the weirdest feeling ever. But I, I was still quite – when I say I was quite young, I think I was about 15 or whatever, uh, 16 at that, that time. I put the drink down. and didn't think much about it. But um, as I got older, um, you know, uh, drinking is just more of the – because I was grew up in South Africa, so it's 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 a cultural thing. I mean, people drink there quite a lot, and uh, in the younger generation as well. So um, yeah, and I also got my after I left school. I just want to fast forward a bit. I got my first job, and um, I travelled quite a bit um, around Africa. And um, my boss was quite a promoter of drinker, and we would invite customers over to our offices, and there would be a bar there. Because I was a new kid, um, I had to be the I had to be the barman. That was sort of like you know anyone that's new in the company has, starts there kind of thing, um, and it was a great place to meet people. But I also started drinking quite a bit there, and um, it was great. I mean, um, I, I could really come out of my shell. Uh, I could talk easily to people, and I felt like this this was it. And I felt that being um, being an adult, and this is this is this is how. You deal with life, and this is what's part of life. It's just drinking as well. Um, a lot of other younger people started working um, as well. Uh, I started working with a lot of younger people as well in, for, for the same boss, and drinking was just part of the culture. Um, getting to work the next morning with a hangover. <clears throat> Sometimes some of the colleagues were hadn't slept the night before, but we'd still get to work the next day and, and carry on doing what we needed to do. Um, and... You know, so it was a lot of fun. I must say, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed my drinking um, when I was younger, and there wasn't any real consequences to the drinking. Um, you know, and and so fast forwarding a little bit, you know, um, the drinking just became a little, a lot more frequent. So I was drinking daily to uh, uh, many times, um, having a lot more frequent blackouts. Um, but still no major consequences. I still was holding really good jobs. Um, I eventually got married. Um, we had a nice house, nice cars. So from the outside, everything looked great. Um, but on the inside, you know, it wasn't. There was this inner turmoil that was going on. And no matter how much I drank and eventually started, you know, you know also using other substances as well, you know, it, it it would help temporarily, but it started not working. Um, and, yeah, that, it is, 
you know, when you rely on alcohol to make you feel good and you've um, and that stops working for you, your outlook to life just becomes a lot more glim, uh, grim. Sorry, and yeah, that happened. All that happened. <laughs> that that started happening towards my last couple of years of drinking, and um, I would just drink more and tr- drink more to try and find that happy happy place. But then you know, I was just having more blackouts. Um, you know, I'd wake up the next morning and my partner would say, do you remember what you did last night? And it's like, um, no. And I would have to be reminded of what happened. Um, and th- that became a really scary for me. But, um, yeah, and then my, my, my best friend from high school, she said, well, let's go to an AA meeting um, just to see what it's all all about because maybe they'll teach you how to drink properly there. Um, and, you know, as in, you know, control your drinking. And I thought that was a fantastic idea. So um went to my first AA meeting, obviously had a couple of drinks before my first meeting. Um, was, yeah, I remember quite distinctly. It was uh, an old, small, uh, like a scouts hall. Um, there was about 10 uh, middle-aged people there and they had this candle in the middle of the of the table there and they were... There's these banners on the wall about these steps and things. And, um, yeah, I went into this meeting, obviously a little bit tipsy, listened to what they had to say, and these stories were just out of this world. I mean, people lost their houses, they'd lost their families, and I had this conception that this is what alcoholics were, that they've lost everything and, you know, they've got nowhere else to go. So when we left that meeting, my, my friend told me, she said, you see, you're not an alcoholic, you just got to learn when to stop drinking um you know as in to moderate your drinking and i said that that's fantastic news i'm not an alcoholic because i cannot relate to these people and also still you know in those early days my perception of alcoholic was someone's living on a bridge and lost everything you know and needless to say a couple of months later <clears throat> i reached what we call a rock bottom where it was it just was a horrific blackout night out got home the next day my partner didn't know where i was and said, hey, do you, do you want to do something about this? And I, I literally said, I, I said yes, because I tried everything before that. I mean, I, I went to see counsellors. Uh, I read self-help books. I did, oh, I took anti-abuse. I, I, you know, slowed down, tried to mix water between my drinks, that kind of thing, Try to stay sober a day. You know, there's a lot of tricks we try to try and moderate our, our drinking Everything that I tried didn't work. So it felt like I was in a game of chess and it was checkmate for me because I just looked at my partner and I said, yeah, I, I've tried everything. I was sort of that hopeless feeling. So anyway, um, went into, uh, yeah, I went to, um, yeah, I decided to give the program a try. And when I started going through uh, some treatment, um, they, um, I had to write down my life story and, and you know, and just to highlight where things went wrong and what the common denominator was, and the common denominator was was alcoholism and drinking and that kind of thing. And I've quickly realised, oops, um, I've got a problem here, and I need to do something about it. But when I started recovery, I thought, you know, I'm going to do this and maybe I'm going to learn how to just moderate my drinking but it actually made me realize I cannot drink at all um, and it was quite a scary realization because my whole life was wrapped around around booze I mean us my Facebook or uh, pages um, that I, 
was just my part of myself and most none I think ninety nine percent of those photos on there was either drink in my hand or we were drinking at that period of time. Um so realizing how to stop drinking was so scary because it's like what do I do now? How do I live? Because of the last almost twenty years booze was part of the equation. Um whether I was happy, sad, bored, whatever it was always alcohol around, and also in South Africa, alcohol is a lot cheaper than you know, in New Zealand. So, you know, having a house fully stocked is was not a problem. Um, and and yeah, so fast forwarding a little bit further is the, you know, um, I stopped drinking for a while. It was almost eight year, eight months to a year, and I thought I'd win the battle or won the battle of alcohol of alcoholism because I stopped drinking. The desire to stop drinking was the desire to drink was taken away from me, um, and then started uh, and, and realized in the, that cup those eight months to a year um, that my thinking hadn't changed, um, and I was going nuts, and I was starting to have feelings and um, reacting to situations that um, nothing had changed, even and. So, so through some sort of um, circu- situations and circumstances, and um, I landed up going back to AA meetings again and started doing the steps. I found a sponsor, started doing some step work, um, and that's where things started changing in the inside as well. Um, you know, I and you know, it's 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 really a miracle. And going to meetings and seeing this program work in other people's lives have given me a lot of. Um, hope that this is the right place to be. So fast forwarding to where things are now for me, um, it's like chalk and cheese. I was speaking to my sponsor earlier today, says I was uh, the transformation over the last wee while since being sober is it was is like chalk and cheese. <laughs> and I try. The difference is for me um, trying to do things on my own and going through self help books and seeing a counselor. <clears throat> is that this program has got a spiritual component um, and I need to rely on a power greater than myself to, um, to you know, to look, identify my, what's ticking inside me and to help me um, live a very, very fruitful life. I wouldn't change my sobriety for anything. It's, um, it's, my, it's my way of life now. Um, I've got a lot of freedom in, um, you know, in the way I think. Um, I don't. I don't have the shackles of alcoholism holding me down, because that's you know uh, when I was drinking, alcohol literally ruled my life. Um, now I don't have that anymore. Um, so yeah, and I get to experience new things, and I get to experience connections with people at a deeper level. Um, and yeah, so I really feel like there's a good, there's a purpose for life and for living now, and I can see a lot of beauty. And a lot of love, um, and um, yeah, just a lot of greatness r- around me. And my eyes were really shut towards all of those things while I was drinking because I was just so consumed about the way I felt and what alcohol could do to fix that. Um, so yeah, so I'm really grateful to to be in AA and um, going on this journey of recovery. And I'll just leave it at that. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Um, just a reminder, you're listening to Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM, and this is the Wellington AA on Air meeting. Um, if you or someone you know relates to what's been shared today and you're in New Zealand, 
Um, you can call us on 0800 AA Works, 0800 229 675, or visit the website www.alcoholicsanonymous.org.nz. Um, if you're enjoying this show and you'd like to listen to more, um, you can find this show as podcasts either on the Wellington Access Radio website or I'm pretty sure they're on, also on Spotify and Apple Music and um, those kind of places. Uh, so now I'll ask Jeremy to share. Thanks, Victoria. My name's Jeremy. I'm an alcoholic. And I've enjoyed listening this morning. I, um, I um, <coughs> have related. My, uh, I started out not fitting in anywhere. Um, that was my... Uh, I thought I was effectively... I was a defic- defective or different to everybody else. Everybody else knew how to live life to fit in that... I was the odd person out, and that if everyone, if anyone ever found out that I was um, who I was, they would uh, there'd be there'd be really there'd be really bad consequences. I had no idea what those consequences were going to be, just that they were going to be bad. I had imposter syndrome at depth, and I had it from a very early age. And when I uh, started drinking, that made that okay. I for a while I was drinking. Um, or getting ready to drink, I felt, you know, I felt better. And I remember hanging out for a Friday evening when I could really get on it. And um, it just it just made me feel um, no longer so afraid for that period of time. And I thought it was the solution to it was to, to, to all sorts of things. It was it became one of my best friends. And um, what I didn't know, and um, found out quite a bit later, is that um, it was um, whilst it looked like the solution to my problem, it was actually <clears throat> leading me to behave in ways that made me <laughs> feel a hell of a lot worse about myself. I started off a binge drinker, and then there were times when I'd be sitting at home drinking a couple of bottles of port with a couple of packets of cigarette till I passed out. No miracle, I didn't burn anything down, um, and. Uh, then I um, I got married. That slowed me down for a little bit, not very long. And um, it then it was like the gloves came off. And um, I'd like to tell, say that my drinking was um, there were some funny stories. I don't particularly like talking about some of my, my drinking because it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny for the people who live with me. It wasn't funny for the consequences I caused. And I don't feel um, Proud of the behaviours that I did, I um, I ended up in hospital a couple of times. I got told the second time that um, if I carried on, do it, if I did this again, I wouldn't be walking out. That had n- made no difference at all. Didn't slow me down even for a nanosecond. Um, my ex-wife begged my friends. I found this one out later not to let me drink, and uh, that didn't make any difference. She couldn't stop me drinking. Um, having a child couldn't stop me drinking. Work certainly couldn't stop me drinking. Um, I got sent home drunk um, from a night out because I hadn't stopped drinking. Um, I uh, and what I what was happening was that my sense of self-loathing was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, I'd wake up in the morning full of guilt and remorse and uh, promise that things would be different, try not to do it again. But all that was really happening was that the, the time had just got reset, and I never knew when it was going to go off again. And I'd do it all over again. And um, I didn't understand that the booze was the problem. I thought it was me. 
I thought that I was inherently a bad person. Um, the last night of my drinking, I was out with a mate, a couple of mates, and doing the things that was um, I normally did when I when I drank, which was sit and drink copious quantities of red wine, and then onto the whiskies, and um, then I'd um, try and drive home. And um, this was before, quite a long time ago, and drink driving was a little easier to get away with. And um, I um, ended up in town, and I ended up doing some things with a with a mate of mine that. Uh, I shouldn't have been doing, and then I drove home about six in the morning, very still very drunk, and um, I rang my then wife and sort of made the usual bullshit excuse, and uh, and she and she said, you know, she let me off so to speak, and my mate just uh, he was laughing and he said, I cannot believe that uh, she bought that, you know, that is just your religion, and uh, um, as soon as the word legend dropped, um, my life. Sort of the man I was unrolled, unraveled in front of me, like a bit like this, the sort of the, the credits from a Star Wars movie. I saw the man I really was, and I've heard this before and from other people in AA. I saw the man I was, and I really didn't want to be him. And I was given a stark choice: um, I could carry on the way I was, or I could change. And because I never wanted to be the man I actually was, I chose change. Now, I had no idea what that meant. I ended up uh, dropping my mate off and then I uh, rang my ex-wife, then wife back and uh, got honest, immediately had nowhere to live. And um, the, uh, I went to my parents and they said, my parents are lovely people, I come from a good home, I've got a loving family. And um, they said to me, you can't stay here, you've got to do something about your drinking. Um, you just can't, we, unless you do that, you're not staying here. So I did what every good alcoholic immediately does when you're confronted with being told to stop drinking. I threw a massive tantrum. And, um, and they held the line. They said, no, we're not giving in this time. So I thought, oh, bugger it. I'll ring AA, I said. And uh, I had no idea what AA was about. I'd seen it on television and the movies, but it sounded good. So I rang AA and spoke to this chap, and he told me about a meeting that night. And um, to his surprise, I turned up. And he sat me in the front of the room and um, I'd saw in these banners with God on the wall and there was these you know, brochures and pamphlets around. And um, I thought I'd walked into a bunch of happy clappers, but you know it was going to get me a roof over my head, so I didn't care. And um, I, um, about halfway through that meeting, I found out that I was an alcoholic. I found out it was like, um, for those of you who can remember rabbit ears and ghosted pictures, it was like the world going from being out of focus to suddenly being in focus. It was a re- like an aha moment. It was, ah, that's why it's that's the problem. That's why I'm like this. And that real as soon as I had that realization, um, I um, the desire to drink was taken from me. And I'm and, and and looking back, I've been around for a little while now. That was a blessing because I could always rationalize picking up a drink. I could always rationalize um, my behavior. You know carrying on what I was doing. And um, I um, did what you always do when you, well, a lot of alkies do when they come into Alcoholics Anonymous and they uh, did about 110 meetings in 90 days because I'd heard one's supposed to do 90 meetings in 90 days, so I do everything to excess. And I did that. And um, I got a sponsor and I figured that I also got most of my life back. My then wife um, forgave me for my indiscretions and my work and business, I threw myself into work. 
had my own business at the time and um, I um, immediately had a lot more money because I was spending a truckload on booze. My health and the things that come with booze, um, I um, health got a lot better and superficially my life came back together again really fast And um, because I wasn't drinking and... Um, most people, the people in my life, there wasn't any. There were only two people who were upset when I stopped drinking. One of them was a family member because my drinking made him look good, and another one was the guy I drank with um, most of the time, and he was sad to lose a drinking buddy. But even he <laughs> wanted what was he, he? He he didn't have a particular. Even though he didn't want me to stop drinking, he also knew it was the best thing for me. Um, anyway, I um, decided that the solution was actually just don't drink. And if I were a heavy drinker, I'm sure that would be the be the be the case. Unfortunately, that wasn't what I what I am. I am an alcoholic, and once I put down the booze, I am I had no treatment for the way I felt. That imposter syndrome, that little boy um, who was felt constantly afraid, he was still there, and he was more afraid, and he was more confused and more bewildered. And um, so what I did. Once I put down the booze and I stopped going to meetings, I started throwing tantrums. And I was like the proverbial petulant child on speed. My two-year-old son at the time behaved better than I did. I, you give me what I want, it wasn't enough. Don't give me what I want, it was not enough. Everything was just wrong and I rubbed everyone out the wrong way. And the problem for me was that when I behaved badly when I was drinking, people put it down to the booze. When I behaved badly when I was sober, they put it down to me. And... Um, Consequently, I had a whole heap of people exit my life and I ended up back where I was with nothing again because people left with every justification in the world. So I went, came back to AA because the good news about AA is they won't kick you out no matter how bad you are. And um, I um, haven't left. And during that time, I've had to, I've done the steps. I have sponsees, I have a sponsor, and I have learned a couple of things. And one of them is that um, I'm a slow learner. It's taken me a long time to learn to, to get through some of the stuff. I've needed a lot of help. First few years, I didn't really have any feelings. I was numb, and I think that was my higher power protecting me from myself because I really didn't know how to deal with feelings. When I started having them, they were very confusing, and um, I ended up having to get um, ended up very very angry. Um, which, which led to some explosive anger issues and I ended up in um, having to get some very good counselling to deal with all that. And through that counselling I've learned that I've come to peace with myself um, but I've also learned that counselling treated my, the stuff that I wasn't aware of in my... but I need AA to keep me sober. Because I'm an alcoholic, it doesn't matter how much time I've got, um, on a day-by-day -day basis... For me to stay sane and functional, I need to be in Alcoholics Anonymous. And for me, that I, my partner's an alcoholic. I live with alcoholics. Um, my workplace knows I'm an alcoholic. I engage in service. I have sponsees. I have a higher power. I continue to work these steps. Um, and what that's given me is the proverbial life beyond my wildest dreams, what they talk about on The Promises. And that's not because I'm, um, you know, financially secure. I've got a, I've got all the trappings of a successful life. I also have peace. I'm finally at peace with myself. And what I've also learned is that when Bill Wilson wrote, at the end of Appendix Two, that 
honesty, open-mindedness and willingness are indispensable. He was right on the money. And he wasn't just talking about early recovery. For me, I have to be honest with myself when things aren't going right, that the problem will be me. Somewhere along the line, I will have an expectation or a perception that's not particularly well-founded. I will believe it wholeness and bolus. My ego and my mind are not always my friends. And I need to, once I'm honest with the fact that I've got a problem, I then need to be willing to do something about it. And I need to be open-minded as to what the solution might be. Or other way around, I might be, I need to be open-minded that I need help and be willing to do something about it. Um, that's been my um, journey and it's been, um, I have to say, I wouldn't trade it for quits. I have the life today that I used to want when I was drinking I had no ability to get. So I'm real grateful to IA. Thanks. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, I'll just briefly share. Kia ora, Victoria, I'm an alcoholic. Um, yeah, so I've shared this before, but when I started drinking at 15, my first drink felt like magic. It was like this warm, spreading feeling, and I felt relief for the first time, and I felt relaxed for the first time. And as I've heard today, I also felt comfortable in my skin. And I just chased that feeling for a few years. Um, and I knew that I had a problem from pretty much straight away. Like in my teen years, I knew I had a problem because I needed more alcohol than other people. And once I started, I couldn't stop. Like once I had that first drink, I had absolutely no control over what happened next. And it took me losing what little I had. I didn't lose the partner in the house and the kids because I didn't have those things. I was only 20. But, you know, I was getting kicked out of flats and I couldn't work and I had to drop out of university and I'd lost the respect of my family. Um, so I did lose the little I had. And I was a dry drunk for a few months. And that drove me into AA because I found that I only knew two ways of life. I knew drinking and being miserable. And I knew being sober and being miserable. And I thought, gee, there must be a third way, you know. And that's why I came to AA. I was looking for a third way. Um, and I'm very lucky that I found it, you know, through um, following suggestions like getting a sponsor. Actually, I don't want to give myself too much credit. My sponsor picked me, which is very unorthodox. I sponsor people now and I would never buy, buy you know, kind of bound up to someone and be like, right, you need a sponsor. I'm your sponsor. <laughs> but I, I am grateful for her because I kind of needed that. I kind of needed someone else to take control because I was just so lost um, and I worked the steps, um, and I was fairly happy for a while, but after a couple of years, I stopped taking inventory. I stopped working with others. I got a resentment against my home group and I started feeling really uncomfortable. And after a couple of months of feeling uncomfortable, I finally drank, I relapsed. Um, and coming back was really hard. I came back straight away, like on the day. Um, but it was really hard. I was so angry and so resentful for the first six months and it completely blocked me from making any changes. Like I was just so angry. Um, and luckily after six months of being angry, I made the decision to do the steps again with a new sponsor and it totally changed my life. Like, yeah, I was pretty happy before, you know, the first few years I was sober, um, but working, especially the first step thoroughly, because I, I just didn't have the th first three steps the last time. Like I just actually hadn't kind of understood them and committed to them. 
Um, so this time around, I understood them and committed to them and things have totally changed, you know, and like actually working with others and taking inventory and praying consistently. Things have really changed for me. And the two biggest things is that I got my self-esteem back for the first time since I was a child. <laughs> like I never had any self-esteem throughout my teenage years and as a young adult. Um, and the other thing that happened is I became really open-minded like there's been a few times recently where I've been mid conversation and then I've changed my mind and people don't know how to take it. They're like, what? <laughs> when you're talking to someone and you go, oh, actually, I just realized that I agree with you. Like I don't agree with what I was saying. People don't know how to respond. Um, but those are kind of small things. You know, I've also got the big stuff like going back to uni and being able to work and having the love and respect of my family. So um, I'm enjoying being sober. Um, I'd like to stay this way. And I know that if I keep doing what I've been doing, I've got a pretty good shot. Um, so it's good to be here. Thank you. Um, so this has been the Wellington Access Radio AA meeting on air. Um, we closed the sharing um, with the serenity prayer, and I invite you to join me. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change Courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.